Hey guys, it's Lana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. I am pre-recording this intro because right now I am in Hawaii. Jake and I are on a vacation to Maui. It's so crazy because we planned this literally nine months ago and it just seemed so far away for so long and suddenly it was here and we're like holy shit where did the time go so that's what I'm doing I hope I am having a great time if we're being honest but um right now I'm sitting here in my apartment in New York freezing my ass off staring at my suitcase that needs to be packed and really just trying to get excited for the holidays and for the end of the year even though it's cold and it's getting dark basically a minute after we wake up but it's okay we're working through it you guys we're not gonna let seasonal depression get the best of us And I know Thanksgiving is over, but me being thankful is never going to end. And it really was so surreal seeing the Spotify wrapped come out and seeing all of you guys posting on your stories that seeing other people is in your top five. And even just, you know, some of the podcasts that I was next to and on that list with is it's truly like I can't explain how surreal that feels to me and how grateful I am. And when I saw those numbers of, you know, like how many people are listening in 85 countries and just how many people have it as their number one podcast and top five and top 10, like it is so crazy to me and so mind blowing because this started as, you know, this little dream that I had. And now, you know, we're almost at 50,000 on Instagram, like, oh my God. And, and the downloads are growing and brands are like reaching out to work with me. And I just, I keep hearing more and more people just, you know, being positively impacted by this and by the social content and the community and the dating wins. And it just means the world and more to me. So you guys, I'm so grateful. If I haven't said that enough, I'm sorry. I hope you never get sick of me saying it because I'm just going to be talking about it all the time because it is really how I feel. And it just is so crazy that this is what I get to do for a living and that I get to do it with all of you and share it with all of you. And yeah, I am really fucking grateful. So thank you. I want to call out a DM that I got from a listener. And this is somebody who I do repeatedly see like in the story question boxes, you know, asking questions, voting on the polls and just somebody who I have so much respect for. And he messaged me and said, dating one of the week. I know this isn't posted on your story, but I just wanted to share anyway, because I haven't had a win because I quit for a few months. I've rejoined the apps, just dipping my toe in right now, but happy to be back on there and looking forward to any new potential dates. Also, I really feel for the first time that I'm not as anxious on the apps and I'm just going with the flow, not letting it dictate my mood. Either way, I will be fine and enjoy life. When I tell you, like, I stopped everything I was doing when I got this DM and just, like, was so happy to hear this. You know, I'm so happy, first of all, that you guys are going out of your way to send in wins, even when it's not dating win day. Like, that is crazy and amazing to me. But also that you're recognizing your dating wins and, you know, appreciating these little moments that really are big things and are such big mindset shifts and big changes that you're making. And to this guy specifically, like the fact that you're able to get back on the apps and be in a mindset where you're not as anxious and you're not letting it dictate your mood and dictating like how you're feeling from day to day or hour to hour. That is so huge. And I'm so excited for you and so proud of you that you got there. And I'm also proud that you took time off from the apps and from dating, because I think that's so important when you are in that cycle of like allowing your dating life and what's happening on the apps or not happening on the apps to completely dictate your mood. So I think this is such a big win and I'm so proud of you. And I just can't express enough how like your wins are my wins are literally all of our wins because we are truly all in this together. And I hope you guys feel that way. And I am so proud every single time I post that dating wins box and see you guys 
pouring out with your dating wins and it's just really special. And I hope it's as special to you all as it is to me. So keep checking the story, keep submitting your dating wins, DM them to me literally whenever, if you have a big win, you can always like email it in or even in that question box form that I have on the story. There's a highlight that says submit a queue. You can send in a long question whenever you want for the show, or you can also send in a long dating win because that would make me just so happy. All right, today's episode, you guys, it is such a special one. I am so honored to have this guest on the show. We have matchmaker Maria coming on today. Maria is somebody who I've looked up to for so long. She's, I think, in my opinion, one of the most respected people in the dating space and somebody that I've learned so much from. If you don't know who matchmaker Maria is, she is the CEO at Agape Match. She is the host of the Ask a Matchmaker podcast, which I will actually be going on in January. And I'm so freaking excited for that. And we have such a good episode and a great discussion. We are talking about the difference between chemistry and compatibility, you know, which should you be paying more attention to, which can lead you astray. We discuss if singles are looking for the wrong things, how we should assess first dates, how to meet people in real life and what you should look for and what you should do when setting up friends and how you should ask friends to be set up or to be setting you up. Maria shares advice on how to approach important conversations like wanting children, finances, and cultural differences. And we also answer listener questions about seeking intellectual connections, what to do when someone asks you to be official or says, I love you before you're on the same page and so much more. So get excited. This is an all around like incredible episode. And I've been dying for this to come out for I guess a month now since we recorded it. So I'm really excited. Okay, let's get into it. Maria, welcome to seeing other people. It is such an honor to have you here. I feel like this is an episode that is so long overdue, but you know, it's not like saving the best for last, but we saved the best. And here it oh, is. Oh my gosh. Thank you. That I feel um wow. Okay. <laughs> uh that's like crazy to me that you're saying all these things. That's really nice of you. And thank you so much. Of course. It really is so great to have you here. I want to kind of just get started by backtracking and, you know, catching everyone who doesn't know up to speed on who you are and what you do and how you really got started being a matchmaker. Right. Um, well, the short story is that uh, I'm a fourth generation matchmaker. So uh, my grandmother, her mother, her grandmother are all matchmakers. And what that really means is that they were just the community leaders of their little villages. They made the best coffee. Uh, they held the best gossip. And, um, you know, they uh, they would advise what people should do, uh, you know, for their own communities. Um, so. So yeah, that's, that's the short story. I think we can wrap it up. We can go. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, the long story though, in, in terms of like modernizing matchmaking, because, um, I don't live in a tiny village on an Island in, uh, in Greece. Um, uh, I thought I would go into the foreign service. Um, I got a bachelor's in international business and European affairs. I went, I enrolled into my master's program in global affairs with a constitution economics. Um, I, my first job uh, post undergrad was at the U S embassy in Athens. Like I really thought I was going to wow. go into the foreign service and, you know, naturally, you know, I've always been a connector and um, you know, upon moving to New York city to pursue my graduate studies and I was working a, a, a full-time corporate job too. So it was a lot of juggling. Um, I thought like, how am I going to get a job in foreign service? If I don't know anyone here, um, I know I'll start like a networking event. Like I'll, I'll do something where I can meet other people. And this was kind of piggybacking off of uh, a friend of mine who was in marketing, who they would do, I believe it was called first Wednesdays. And it was, um, it was at, 
the W Hotel and like all of these marketing people would show up uh, on first Wednesdays to just network with each other. I'm like, well, we need this for their national relations community. And so uh, Twitter was also like pretty hot. Foursquare was really hot. Uh, Foursquare had just come out. And so I started this hashtag called NYCIR, which I know in 2022, it's like, what do you mean start a hashtag? Like that doesn't make sense. But at that time, creating a hashtag out of thin air in 2008 Mm -hmm. was like, it was a big deal, right? It was like, I've decided to think of this as a folder and now you're going to join my folder. It was a very, uh, very uh, new time in social media, I think. Anyway, definitely ahead of your time. Yes. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, it was different because I remember telling people like, don't you want to network with other people so that, you know, because I think in New York city, you're surrounded by people who, um, you know, or in the financial services or in marketing or in PR or in fashion. And yes, we have the UN in Manhattan, but no one thinks about like, or we have all these consulates in Manhattan, but no one's like thinking about like, how do we turn this into something? So I was like, okay, listen, we're going to do wine events every other Thursday or every Thursday. I forget now, maybe it was every Thursday, but it'll be a wine event at the Roger Smith Hotel, uh, which was like in walking distance from the UN and a lot of consulates because it was like where Midtown East meets the Upper East Side sort of area. And um, sure enough, like professors from the universities that were in international relations would come, people from the consulate would come, people from the UN would come, and it was great. And eventually that, you know, you're looking like, okay, how does that turn into matchmaking? Well, in one of those first events, um, I introduced someone to someone. And I've always been that kind of person too, who would like meddle with people. In fact, um, a friend a friend of mine, um, they just celebrated their 10 year anniversary, but I remember, uh, he sat next to me in my corporate job and his name was, okay, let me not use his real name. Um, let's say <laughs> his name was, um, Brian, Brian, Jessica. And I, that, then that's actually a pretty accurate, uh, first and last name that he has. He has like a male first name and like a female, a female last, name. last name. Right. So his name was Brian Jessica. So I was like, I wonder if there's any Jessica Bryans we could set you up with. And I went on Facebook and I found a Jessica Bryan who worked like two buildings over and I forced them to go on like no two dates. way. Absolutely. Uh, obviously they didn't work out, but I thought it would have been really funny if she got married to him and it was like Jessica, Jessica, like, I yeah. Just, uh, anyway, dreams, dreams. Um, so then, uh, but yeah, that's what happened. And like someone got married and like very quickly (laughs) and, uh, I was always meddling. I've, I've always like matched people. Um, my first match was in kindergarten, um, between, um, let's call her Jessica and him, Brian. And they dated until the day of our prom, which is where they broke up. (laughs) Wow. Um, so I've always been doing that. Right. And then that NYCIR thing happens and someone at the weddings like, Oh, if you want to meet someone, go to Maria. She knows everybody. And I was like, wait, okay, we could probably, maybe this is something something here. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, a year later, so this was in 2008 and 2009. Um, like it just kind of snowballed into this, something really big. And then 17 magazine gave me like, a little editorial, like it just like small things started becoming big things. And now, uh, in 2022, it's, you know, it's a much bigger operation, right? Um, you know, uh, we have a matchmaking program, a coaching program. I have several employees. Um, you know, we host retreats, you know, my social media is its own animal. Uh, so there's a lot of things happening, you know, 14 years later. (laughs) 
all because that's you a started long, that's a long story. No, I need, I'm so glad you told the long story because there's so much in there that is like inspiring. And it's something that, you know, I, people always ask like, Alana, how do I meet people in real life? How do I meet people in real life? And it's like, everybody should be looking out to set their friends up and the people that they know up with other people they know. Like, I really believe that we're all like one or two degrees away from the person that we're going to end up with. Like, I agree. There's somebody out there that if only they took a few minutes to think like, oh, who would you be a good match with? Like, we could be meeting so many more people. And I want to add, I want to add two things to, to this. The first thing I want to add is that, um, Foursquare coming out when it did, and I know this app, I don't think it even exists, but if it does, I my apologies um, to Dev and Naveen, but, um, or was it Dan, Dan and Naveen? I forgot their names. Mm-hmm. Um, but when that app came out, that is when, you know, Matchmaker Maria started kind of forming. And mm-hmm. what I would do back then now in 2009 is I would use the app to see, okay, where is the happening place? Because Foursquare came out before Facebook created location check-in. Got it. Yeah. And for people who don't know, Foursquare yeah. is like you, if you go to a place, you basically check in that you're there and it shares it to Everyone's a, other there. people who are there yeah. and B, also your network can see where you are. Exactly. And at that time, Foursquare for New Yorkers was more popular than Facebook. Facebook was a place to post the photos after the party. Foursquare is where you checked in. And there was like, you'd become the mayor of something. It was it was very popular. So by naming myself Matchmaker Maria, by having a photo of me, you know, being like kind of funny, um, people would come up to me at parts like, are you Matchmaker Maria? And I'm like, yes. They're like, who are you going to match me? Like, me I, started, match. I was able to create like a network. Right. But then, and, and the second thing I want to say here too, is that in what you said, right. I do believe that for a lot of people, you are one or two degrees away from your match. I a hundred percent agree with you. I don't agree with how most people approach their friends in matching them. So what usually will happen is someone will say, um, Hey, do you know anyone that's single? I need right. you to match me. And I, it's I too think, broad. It's yeah, not it's way too broad. Um, I'll tell you what I did and it worked for me. I thought about who is friends with the person that I want to be with. Who is that person? Because, you know, I believe birds of a feather flock together. And I could think of two people at that time that was like, they're definitely friends with the guy that I'm dating, that a guy that I should be dating. Mm-hmm. So I went up to both of them and I said, next time you go out with your friends, I need you to invite me. I love that. And eight days later, one of them is like, listen, I'm going to be hanging out with my friends in Boston. You told me to tell you. And he's like, okay, yeah, I got it. I'm going to be on an Amtrak. I'm coming to Boston. And I met nine of his friends. Half of them were in relationships. They were there with their girlfriends. That's okay. I didn't say anything like that. But you know what? The other guys, they were not in relationships. And one of them would, I mean, I didn't know that was going to (laughs) happen at the time. Right. But, um, you know, one of them ended up being my husband. And you know what's funny about that scenario too is that in the entire Amtrak ride up, not once did it ever cross my mind that like, I'm about to enter a long distance relationship with someone. Like right. I was just like, find the guy and you You're just like, no, I'm going, later. I'm going to, I want to meet someone, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, whatever yeah. happens. But you know what? I think, I think sometimes we restrict ourselves to like this geographic, it's very arbitrary zip code thing. And it's like, well, no, what if that guy's the guy and you just have to learn how to make it work? Yeah. And if you're quote unquote meant to be together, like if it can work and you both want it to work enough, you'll find a way. You will find a way. And you know what? We both prioritized our jobs at the time where we couldn't move. So at the time we thought, oh, this will be long distance for 18 months. It would end up being six years. 
Wow. I mean, he would come down like we had in that period, we got engaged, we got married, we got pregnant. I mean, I got pregnant and then we had a baby and then I had my son for 10 months, half the week by myself. So he would come down Thursday and go back on Sunday. But we we figured it out. We made it work. Um, You know, it was it was hard, but we made it work. You wanted it to work and you found a way. I, I don't, everyone yeah. here right now listening is thinking, oh, if he wanted to, he would. No, it's like they both wanted to. We both have to. And you know, that's also the other thing. Like if you, oh God, don't even get me started on that phrase. I don't know if I agree with it. We could go off for hours. <laughs> that yeah. phrase only but, makes sense if it's a guy that's your fuck buddy. Yeah. Like that's the only time you can say if you want to. Yeah, exactly. If he wanted to date you, he would be dating you, but he's not dating you. You're a fuck buddies. That's okay. You know, embrace. And then you move on. Like the whole, like, well, if you wanted to, he'd be texting you. I'm like, you know, yeah, I suppose. But also, you know, you can also control your future. You can also give people opportunities to like have to message you back. Like people are nervous. People get scared. I don't know. It takes a lot of courage to date. (laughs) It absolutely does. But we do love to make excuses for other people's behavior. Um, Mm -hmm. What, you know, in terms of, okay, I love what you said about instead of just saying like, set me up, like invite me that way you can make your own connections. Um, I think that is so important and something that I hope people can, you know, challenge themselves. Maybe by the end of the year, you'll do that once. Like there'll be a lot of holiday parties coming up. New Year's December is the month December is the month like so many relationships start in December because you it's again what you said that one two degree connection like you're going to go to holiday parties you need to show up and um you know what else when you tell people like set me up you know what they always say I don't have any friends that are single you don't know that yeah you don't know you can't possibly know that all of not all of your friends are in relationships every single person you know every single one wow okay (laughs) What also, what about like a friend of a friend? You know, I have a friend who I've been wanting to find someone for her and, um, a mutual friend of ours and I were, you know, sitting at the dinner table and we're like, okay, between both of our networks, we have to know, like, there are people out there. Let's figure out who could make sense. But, uh, an embarrassing, you know, question. I feel like I'm outing myself a little here. I have never successfully set someone up and I've tried very hard. That's okay. What? The fact that you're trying, it gives people, you know, every person's a person closer to your person. <laughs> so that you just true. help people get closer to their person. That's not. That is true. But what, you know, before this was really your job, when you were kind of just doing it, like, hmm. oh, let me see if I can put you and you together. Like, what were certain things that you were looking for? Oh, okay. So ultimately, and I still do this, like, I try to see if the core values are aligned. Um, and some of that has to do with like, maybe your relationship with the faith that you may have been raised into or not raised into, um, what kind of family values, uh, you know, does your family value or does your culture value? Um, you can, you know, that, I think that has always been like a big part of like a foundation. And then after that, it's, okay, how much does our lifestyle align? And lifestyle is, 
you know, how do you value the way you spend your time? Plus how do you value the way you spend your money? Um, so that's not necessarily to say like, oh, if I make $500,000 and he needs to make $500,000. Um, no, there are plenty of people who make a lot of money who are awful spenders, um, or who don't, you know, who, or maybe they don't share in the lifestyle that you want. Maybe you want an equal partner when you have, if you decide to grow a family and someone who's making a really, really, really big income just can't sacrifice time away from work to do that for you. So you have to find that balance and you know that you already know what balance you, you might already want. So from there, it's like, okay, what lifestyle does this person want in their future? And then we try to align that with what other people are looking for. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, these are usually the things that, you know, we look at. And then of course we look at other things for long-term compatibility, but those are the two big ones, like core values and lifestyle. That's, that's pretty big. And I yeah, think for if you me, don't have like, those, then it's, it's never going to work. Yeah. And, and also, you know, you can be with someone who shares in your core values and shares in your lifestyle. And that's most people that you date will have the, you know, if you're not seeing, not talking to, but like dating, will have those things after that now is like, are they emotionally well? Are you emotionally well? Like, how does this relationship function? Because for a lot of breakups, it's not for lack of core values or lifestyle. It might be that you're just not a functioning relationship and there you should break up. So, uh, I want to give a shout out to all of my ex-boyfriends for teaching me that. <laughs> yeah. There have definitely been a lot of times where, you know, I thought I was ready to be in a relationship and I dated somebody who, again, like core values and all that was completely aligned, but I was actually not in a good place. And right. I don't think there was any single person that I would have been able to make it work with because I was just not there. I mean, scarcity mindset is a bitch and that's what, that's what usually happens, right? Let's like, we'll lower our standards. Cause it's like, Oh God, I don't want to be, I don't want to be single for this. Or like, you know what? I just broke up with someone and I need to feel pretty about myself. So we look for the low hanging fruit. Um, and look, these are normal experiences to have, like these are growth experiences. Um, but you know, they're all, they're, they're just a part of dating. And I think dating sometimes gets a bad rap because of that, when you just have to kind of separate, you know, the method of dating yeah. from like the experience. Yeah. I want to talk about, obviously we're talking a lot about like kind of compatibility. I want to discuss compatibility versus chemistry mm. because I think a lot of times the lines get blurred. And I also think a lot of times people are putting maybe too much emphasis on the wrong thing. Right. So I guess my first question in that is, in your experience, do you find that people are looking for the wrong things, whether it's like what their checklist is or how they feel after that first date? Um, so I think for a lot of people, the picker is broken. And I know this because we have an entire coaching program that's like to help fix your picker um, called the Agape Intensive. And that's that's quite literally the purpose of it is like understanding chemistry uh, and compatibility um, and, you know, removing the self-sabotaging beliefs and triggers that come with dating experiences. Um, so I, I certainly believe that the picker is broken and it's broken because it's never been reevaluated or even evaluated, right? The last time you may have decided like, what am I looking for? It was maybe when you were 18 and maybe again after a bad breakup when you were 25. And uh, that's normal, that's totally okay. Um, but uh, the problem with not evaluating it is that we tend to convince ourselves like, well, I'll know he's the guy when I see it. And it's like, well, that method doesn't really work for most people. 
And yes, dating is like 90% luck, but how can we increase uh, your chance of success? How can I set you up for success by, you know, making sure that when luck comes around, you're available, you're able to, to depict like, you know, is this person the right person? You know, you, you know, there has to be also favorable odds of you making it work. Um, so, you know, you asked about chemistry, right? I think that's something that's like a word that people say, I hear it all the time. I've set up over 5,000 first dates and it's the most common word. Uh, so why someone doesn't go on a second date, which is like, I just didn't feel chemistry. And I will accept that as a reason but it's when they use the word spark that throws me off. So let's talk about the three words because I didn't mention one of them. It's going to be the word I put in. You have spark and chemistry. And the third word I'm going to tell you is vibe. So the spark on a date, people are looking for the spark. That's your basically the spark is a nice word for anxiety. Anytime you're looking for a spark, it's making someone like, am I getting the dopamine rush of being uncertain on a date? You know, oh, is it happening? Okay, did it happen? Do you think he's going to call me tomorrow? He seems really great. Um, how long before we go on a date again? I just told him I had a really good time. Why hasn't he said, let's do it again? Like this creates spark. <laughs> it's an interest. It's rooted in anxiety. And we um, think we want it so badly. We think yeah. it feels so good, but it's not. I mean, the number of times I left dates feeling like that and became obsessed with the right. person. Yeah. And you it know wasn't exactly because what they I liked on Halloween in 2016. Like, I know yeah. what you did. I know exactly what you did. Everyone does the same thing. Yep. They Google, they find the LinkedIn photo, they go through their private account. The, the p- women will pay for premium just to make sure that he doesn't know you went through their LinkedIn profile. Then you went on Glassdoor to see how much they make. Then you went through their Instagram. Then you found their Halloween photos from 2016. Then you saw who their friends were tagged. Like I know exactly what everyone does, right? And the fact that you're smiling and nodding means that I'm not far off. So Spark is bullshit. uh, As Logan Yuri would say, who's the chief uh, relationship scientist at Hinge. Um, You're a Hinge alumni, right? Am I like- I am a Hinge alumni, yes. And, um, I think that's what she said, right? I believe she said spark is bullshit. And I agree with her. Like yeah, the, spark, the spark, the spark is not the spark is anxiety. That's all it is. All right. The next word is chemistry. I believe in chemistry. So here's what, chem- like there's, there's two ways to look at chemistry. There's a way to look at it literally and figuratively. And when people say chemistry on a date, they mean it figuratively. So literally, if you were to ask me about long-term compatibility, I would tell you that that's rooted in literal chemistry. So what is your temperament like? And what kind of temperament is a good match for you? And temperament, it will, um, it's designed to um, your own temperament. That's your genetic code that tells your personality if you're going to be a person that takes risks or does to-do lists in their head or likes a process or enjoys rules or doesn't like rules or leads life with a sense of pleasure. Like there's all these ways that temperament molds our personality. So that's the chemistry little version, but let's talk about chemistry, the figurative version that people tend to talk about on a date. So uh, I'm going to take it back to my roots. Um, I'm Greek. My company's name is Agape Match. Agape is a word for love in Greek. It's one of our many words. And Agape, uh, Aristotle defined it as the soul's recognition of another soul. So let's take it the opposite way. Let's talk about anti-Agape. Have you ever met someone on a date where you were just like, they were perfect on paper. You were really excited, but then you met them and you were like, Oh no. And you could, there was nothing you could say. Like, it wasn't like, Oh, he's a bad person. Just the vibe was off. Right. Just not there. Yeah. It's just not there. Right. So I think when people talk about chemistry on dates, what they're really talking about is vibe. And I think that is the, this is the one 
<laughs> this is the one woo woo thing I believe in. Um, but I do believe that the universe has a way of telling you like this ain't it. And your intuition has to be sensitive enough to listen to it. And also you have to believe it. And so, you know, when someone says to me, there was just no chemistry, I would, in my, uh, the way I translated, there was no vibe. And in knowing that, okay, agape's definition is the soul's recognition of another soul. So I know that the anti-agape here is that my soul is not supposed to know that person's soul. I'm not supposed to know them. And this has happened to me like multiple times, even as a matchmaker, like to this day, I will meet people and I'll be like, I'm not supposed to match you. I'm not supposed to know you. I'm not supposed to match you. Like there is something off and, and, and that's nothing. There's nothing wrong with them. I'll, sometimes I'll even read the them to another matchmaker. I'll be like, you know, I'm not the right matchmaker. You should work with them right. uh, because I need to make sure that we're a match. Right. So, so when I think of chemistry, I think of vibe. When I think of vibe, I think of soul recognition. So it is perfectly normal to see someone that's perfect on paper and then meet them and be like, we just didn't have chemistry. That is a normal dating experience. You're not supposed to have chemistry with every person you meet. That would be exhausting. And there's just not enough room and bandwidth for that. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I'm thinking about like a job interview almost, and you get to like that last round and then mm -hmm. you don't get the job. And right. I've been on both sides of it. And sometimes like two people or three people can, when you're interviewing, like can be equally skilled, equally qualified. Mm -hmm. And the vibe is just a little bit better with one person and the team. And it's like, okay, this is the person that we're going to bring on because it's, you know, a culture fit or because there's something there that we just feel really drawn to. That doesn't mean that the other two people who made it to the final round weren't good enough. They right. just weren't the one that in that moment you decide to move forward with. Well, and you just use the example of teams, right? And like work structure and, you know, what, what a lot of, these personality tests that you take at work, be it a DISC assessment or a Colby assessment, K-O-L-B-E, um, these things calculate your temperament and what you would be like in a, in a group environment. So, you know, that vibe is also looking at compatibility with the overall group too. You know, you don't want to put people in a scenario where they, even though they could possibly work together, they can't agree with each other or they don't, you know, they're that... <laughs> Yes. Dating and, and, and finding a job are very, very alike in their yeah. methodology. Yeah. You got the resume, you got the profile. All, yeah. There is a lot in common. Yeah. So, okay. What do you think people should be placing more emphasis on then? Is it compatibility or is it that feeling of, okay, our vibe is right? The vibe is just the first date, right? Like yeah. that's so you can have a vibe with really great people that are actually really bad for you. Um, right. you know, and, and, and in fact, you can have a vibe with people that are awful, not even great people. Um, you know, they could be a narcissistic abuser who's learned how to vibe, <laughs> uh, yeah. to manipulate you. Um, so that is just a gut check that happens on the first date. After that, we have to start having, um, environmental circumstances that give us the opportunities to get to know them on a deeper level. And what I mean by that is that it's not enough to just go on dates over a cocktail. Like I really, really promote people going on walking dates or activity dates where you're more side by side with each other talking, um, even on first dates, especially, uh, instead of like being across from each other, because you know, your eyes will naturally look around. And when you're sitting in front of a stranger, 
it turns into an interview. It's really hard to lock eyes with someone you've just met. You know, you don't know this person through a friend if you've met them online. If you've met them through a friend, it can be a little like, oh God, this now there's like so much pressure for it to right, work stakes out. Are raised. Yeah. There's a lot of things happening, right? So, um, and so what I say to people is like, now you have to after. So, okay, the purpose of a first date is to go on a second date. That's it. It's not to determine if you want to have kids with them. It's not to determine if you want to get married to them. It's not even to determine if 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 like their politics or religion align with you. Just did you have a good time with them? Are you still curious about them? Go on a second date. That's it. Now on a second date. This is where you have to start putting in the building blocks in conversation. So I don't believe in asking questions. Try to have a conversation instead. And a way to do that is to like, for instance, let's say you want to talk about, I think one of the most important things people could talk about is like their financial uh, lifestyle. And what I mean by that is not like, you know, do you plan to play, to pay for your future kids education? Do you plan, do you rent or do you buy? Like, you know, like you don't need to ask these questions instead Talk about what you want, reveal what you hope for your future to be. So for instance, if I were walking in Manhattan and on a date and I was walking through Chelsea, which is one of my favorite neighborhoods, I would say something like, you know, if I won the lottery, I, I think it would be my dream to like buy this, buy this home right here. And then just saying that, you know, it, it kind of will instigate another conversation, which is like, we'll say like, really? And I go, no, not really. You know, if I won the lottery, I'd probably pay off my student loans and maybe make an education trust for my kids, uh, my future kids. And in that conversation now, I've just told you that like, one, I really like, I really like Chelsea, but I'm open to doing sac other sacrifices too. I want to have kids one day. Three, I have student loans. So that's a normal thing. I don't want you to be insecure about it. And four, I don't want to give that insecurity. You know, I don't want, I, yeah. if I can help it, I don't want my children to experience it. So like I'm saying so much in two sentences. Um, and there is this confidence way of saying it. You know, it's like, no, this is, you're revealing you. And then they get to say like, now like, oh, you know, I also have student loans or, oh, you know, I've never thought about that. But yeah, I guess if I had kids, um, yeah, I think I would want to pay for their bachelor's education if they didn't get any scholarships. But, you know, my kids are going to be smart. They're going to have, they're going to have scholarships. Like you can learn so much about just having that conversation. That's just revealing you and letting them talk. Now, if they're not engaging, that's a different story. That's telling you like, well, maybe this person, you know, you can ask them like, oh, you know, is everything okay? <laughs> yeah. Or you uh, could so even say, what would you do if you won well, the lottery? Exactly. You can ask these questions too. So there's a way to have date conversations that don't turn into interviews. Um, yeah. And again, like for me, like I would talk about money. I would talk about my parents' parenting style as quick as possible because there's a lot of things that I don't necessarily agree with. You know, my parents were immigrants into this country who came with literally nothing. I don't know if I agree with a lot of the things that they did with, you know, me and my sister. I mean, we were raised well, uh, but, you know, they were also limited to what they could, you know, their best. Right. And that yeah. was their best. And it's like, okay, what can I have learned? And I, you know, in me just sharing this with you, I would say this on a date, right? Like, you know, yeah, right. I'm a first generation and this is what it was like. And, you know, see how they react to it. And you know what? I've met men who've discriminated against me, uh, when I was dating, when I told them that, you know, I had taken out student loans or that I was Greek. I mean, that was, you know, like, okay, like, I'll, oh, okay. You know, like I would get like right. these very weird reactions. Um, but you'd rather get those reactions yes. and learn this thing about them Absolutely. sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I don't, and I believe people, right? So if people say things that I don't agree with on a core level, um, I believe them. I'm not going to make excuses for that kind of behavior or that kind of thinking. It's like, okay, great. We're not a match. Like, yeah. you know, so, um, 
And then from there, you can redirect. Like, do you want to just have sex with them and just get it over with and like focus on why you're not compatible so you can actually have a proper sex experience? Or do you actually want to date this person and be in a relationship with them? Because there's there's two ways to go about this or a third way, which is like block them, never speak to them again. You know, that door is always open. That no, door is always love- open. I love this. And I love your point about, you know, just bringing things up in conversation to share things about you because people always say like, or people always ask me, there's this thing that I'm afraid to tell them. How do I tell them this thing? How do I find out if they want kids? How do I find out if they're okay with tell them you want kids. thing about me? Yeah, exactly. Like you have to communicate. And I would always, you know, talk, just kind of pivot into a story about when I was growing up. And then we would start talking about our childhood and our family and the way we were raised and the number of kids we want. And it would just happen so organically rather than right. waiting five dates to say this thing and find out that we're not on the same page. I hear from a lot of people, um, they're like, he didn't ask any questions on the date and I'm like okay why do you want him to ask questions like what do you have prepared answers like is this jeopardy or something like you know you know which that's not the right uh metaphor but okay uh it could just be a conversation right and just reveal just reveal 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 like but you know what that also takes and this is another thing that we cover in my coaching program which is like when we fix pickers which is like what should you be revealing, right? What exactly is in your core values? Like some people have never thought about like, for instance, their emotional resilience or their financial well-being, or all these things and like where the strengths are and where the weaknesses are because how it's, it can be very hard to communicate these things if you've never thought about them either, right? If you've never thought about what it would be like if one of your parents got sick and they needed elder care from you, then how are you able to have that conversation with someone? Because I don't know what culture you're, you know, uh, one listener right now that's listening to this is. But in my culture, um, it's, you know, it, a lot of elder care tends to fall on the eldest daughter. And I am the eldest daughter. So, uh, so uh, you know, I remember when I met my, my now husband, uh, he happens to be Greek. Uh, which was something I was not looking for, but uh, there he is. And uh, he, I didn't have to have that conversation with him because he came from the same culture where he knew like, oh yeah, like if Maria's parents get sick, um, this is on us to take care of them, right? Just like his sister, who even though she's younger than she is the the sister, she'll have to take care of his parents. So there's this sort of, you know, unspoken agreement. But if he wasn't Greek, I would have had to say like, you know, and I think a lot of cultures share in that too. It's not just me. Like, I mean, I feel like, isn't that like a lot of the premise of Encanto on Disney? Uh, yeah. Louisa just takes on all the whole burden. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, there's things that you want to share about yourself and they might not know to ask the right questions. Right. So sometimes you do have to step up. And I think, you know, also you mentioned like, oh, well, they didn't ask me any questions. Not everyone is a good dater. Yeah. And if if you want them to ask you questions, you can say like, so what do you want to know about me? Some of the greatest men are the worst daters. good at dating. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know why? Because they're so great that they just know how to get into relationships and then therefore they've never dated. Um, I think my husband had only like, three girlfriends before me and all three were like long-term like he's never dated that's not he's never been on apps he's never gone like that was just not who he was it's like I remember I had to like really show him a massive green flag like you can ask me out like let's yeah like I really set it up for him so that he could ask me out like I got his number and was like 
tell me, <laughs> so stupid, tell me where you're from again, like in Greece, like show me on a map. And he's like, I'm from here. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to save it. And next time I'm there, I'm going to call you to make sure that you're around so we can go for a coffee. And he's oh. like, okay, well send me your, and then he goes, that's like the dumbest thing I've ever said, right? Like next time I'm on a different country with a stranger at the same time, I'm going to call you to go for a call. Like in no world would I ever go to his little street. Right. But it was like saying it was showing interest. Yeah. And then he was like, well, send me your number. So I know it's you. And I texted him. I didn't text him my name. I actually just texted him a really cute photo of me that would make him comment like back. And that's what happened. Like I, I texted him this photo of me um with like a I was like sipping a cup of coffee and like pinky up sort of thing like this Mm -hmm. and um he wrote back you're cute and that was it then after that we were like you know horse at the races I was like all right fast forward kids yeah yeah and then then he asked me yeah like you know but I was able to kind of (laughs) like force his hand you know I should make a tiktok with the with the with the Taylor Swift song that design song (laughs) Oh, mastermind. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. I should do that today. Uh, yeah. Because that, that's exactly what I did. I was uh, I was like, I knew I wanted him to ask me out. I knew he was never, I knew he liked me. I knew he was never going to ask me out. And I, I and had asked him. sometimes you got to, you got to give him a little crutch. You got to help. Know, and that's okay. Months later, I, I think it was like our six month anniversary, anniversary. Um, I asked him like, would you have asked me out if I had not done that? And he goes, yeah, I would have like a month later. Like I would have messaged you on Facebook messenger. We would have gone back and forth. Like that was how I did it. And I was like, a month later, like we're in different cities, you know, either you secure the and, bag And who now. knows if you would have met somebody in that month. Oh, I had a second date lined up for the following week and I went on it because I was like, I don't know if it's going to work out with this guy. I'm going to go on a second date right. with this other guy. Like, uh, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to stop dating a guy like for any person here. Who's like, we're exclusive, but he's not my boyfriend. Shut up. <laughs> If yeah. you are, if that person has not given you a title and you haven't given them a title, you are free agents. Please date. Do not get off the app. Ah. Yeah. Speaking of titles, that was a great transition. So thank you for knowing You're what welcome. was on my list without knowing it. Um, I have a few listener questions that okay. I would love for you to help me answer. The first being the guy I'm seeing wants to be official after four dates, but I'm not ready. How okay. can I lighten things up? Just say, I'm not, I'm, I'm enjoying getting to know you. Um, I'm not there yet. Uh, I feel like one time I heard someone say this awesome thing about like, I said, I love you, but he said, he didn't say it back. He just said, listen, we're reading the same book. We're just on different chapters. Ooh. Yeah. I love that. I was like, yeah. So, you know, I think four dates is, is really soon, but it's also, if you told me six dates, I'd be like, yeah, that's pretty normal. So, um, I think that's great that he's showing you interest and he's communicating it. And that's what you can say. Like, wow, thank you so much. Um, this is so refreshing to have someone be very clear about how they feel about me. I'm not there yet, but I probably will be in a few dates. I'd like to keep getting to know you. Yeah. And I think that little bit of reassurance of like, I probably yeah. will be, or I do want to get there. I think that's really important and something that, you know, if the roles were reversed and you shared that with somebody and they said they weren't ready, like, I know if it were me, I'd start spiraling, but I would need to right. know, like in order for me to be okay and continue, I would need to know that they do want to get there or right. they see that there is the possibility. I was actually watching an episode of new girl last night. I'm like rewatching it as my fall asleep show. And 
um, Jess had just started dating. Have you seen New Girl? New Girl? Yeah, it's my makeup show when okay. I put on makeup. Oh my God, I love that. Uh, I need a makeup show. Wow. Okay. It used to be Scrubs, but now it's, I, I have not I, done every, Scrubs. Every six months, I switch it. So it used to be Scrubs for a really long time. Now it's New Girl. I'm sure the next one's going to be. I always go back to Parks and Rec for six months every year. I love that. It just tells wow. me like okay. you've got 22 minutes, Maria. You got to yeah. make it happen in these 20. And that's how long it takes me to get ready. 22 minutes. That is my biggest takeaway from this episode. Even <laughs> though there have been a lot, I need a makeup show. Um, yeah. So she had just started dating this guy. They had been dating for a month. She really liked him. It was, they were exchanging holiday gifts and he says, he was like, I love it. I love it. I love you. And she said, thank you. And then she kind of panicked and was like, I do really like him, but like, I actually don't know if I'm ready for something serious, but I don't want to like stop seeing him. And she told this to him and he was like, if you're, if you don't think you can love me, then like, I can't be in this because it will hurt me too much. That's, that's an honest answer, but it's also the answer of a child. So, um, one thing that I advise all women to, if you want a really happy life, stay away from men with like massive egos. So if you were to be honest with him and say like, listen, I really, I, first of all, I really appreciate your clear communication about how you feel. It is so refreshing. So you acknowledge the gesture and how much courage it takes. And the second step is I am enjoying getting to know you. I'm not there yet, but I hope to be one day. And if his reaction to that very reasonable response after four dates is to be, um, sullen. Is that the right word? Is that, is that a word? I think think so. I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a person with a really fragile ego. It's a word. Bad gloomy. Yeah, there you go. So if they're sullen, that's a person with a really fragile ego because there's a way to like express disappointment because it's like, Oh really? Okay. All right. We'll go on a few more dates or like, well, fine. (laughs) You know, like we're just not going to be, that's a person with a really fragile ego and it'll show up in many ways in the future. Uh, believe you me, you know, you get that promotion instead of him popping a bottle of champagne for you, he's going to be like, great. Now I'm never going to see you again. Like that's not, yeah, that's not the person I want you to be with. Nope. And this is sign number one. Yep. Okay. Um, the next question is, is it okay if I'm seeking an intellectual connection when first matching? That's what I've been looking for, but it never seems to work. So just to clarify, like she's looking for intellectual connection while swiping. I guess either, you know, somebody who's gone to a great school or who oh. can have a really like smart conversation on a date right. and that you feel like, oh, this person is either like as smart as me or smarter. It's funny. Um, a lot of men don't require that in return. Right. So, um, so I know this is a very heteronormative um, conversation. I, so I apologize. I think it anyone. may have actually been a man who asked. Ooh. I'm not positive on that. Okay. So there's like intellectual compatibility is not just like what degrees you have, but it includes a lot of other things like your, how you value things in your environment. Or even right now, you know, we're at, at, at the time of recording, we're about a week before um, election day. So for a lot of people in the United States, our morale, our morality views are tied into our politics, which is not the case for a lot of other countries. Um, and so, you know, your intellectual compatibility revolves around your, you know, your perception of your environment. And you're obviously, you know, your intellectual curiosity, your thirst for that. And then also, 
your sense of humor, right? So, you know, it's funny. I have so many anecdotes to like explain what I'm saying. So like, I remember I had a woman who was saying to me, like, she told her friend she wanted someone who was like intellectually her equal. And she's like this really, you know, um, famous journalist. And they set her up with a neurosurgeon and they just couldn't talk on dates. And I'm not saying that a neurosurgeon's dumb or at all. They're, they're very smart, but that's the difference between smart and then someone who's intellectually compatible with you. And it's like funny to me, like how her friends translated what she was saying. So to me, um, you know, let's take a step back. When people think about degrees, like I have about a master, so they should have a master's. Um, I would tell you that like, there's other ways that people um, quench their intellectual thirst that not necessarily have to be in degrees. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, one of my friends, he might actually listen to this podcast. He always listens to stuff that I'm on. Um, he works as an HVAC technician but he also reads the newspaper every day and he likes watching documentaries. So yeah, he went to a trade school. He is zero debt. He was able to save money throughout his twenties. He bought a multifamily home in his early thirties. Um, and he rents out two of the apartments. He lives in the third one. I'm sure he's going to buy another apartment pretty soon. So financially, uh, he's doing very well and he has equity <laughs> and intellectually, you know, he's told me one of the biggest struggles that he has in dating is that like, people immediately think that, oh, he must be dumb because he has a trade. And it's like, no, I, I just didn't happen to get a bachelor's degree. Right. Right. There's other yeah. ways that you can, you know, um, they, you know, look at your look at intellectual compatibility. I, I have a hack for this. And I usually ask people like, what, um, what shows do you watch, especially your comfort shows? And what do you like about it? So I remember mm. like, um, you know, it's funny when I met my husband, he had never watched the office. And that was like my ultimate comfort show. I mean, it was still playing. I think it just ended when we met, but, um, I was like, you've never watched the office. Like we have to watch the office. And I remember like staring at his face in season one and two, because if he didn't laugh at certain moments, I was like, I don't know if we could be together. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think for me, the most critical episode is, um, basketball. It's like in season one. Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel like that's such a critical episode to see like, does your sense of humor align when you watch it's the right, office? Right, like, what right. part did you find funny things? about yeah. this? Yeah. And I think you don't have to necessarily laugh at the exact same things, but there has to be um, a very complimentary sense of humor because you're going to be, I look at now, right? Like my husband and I were both on TikTok and my husband's FYP page is very different than mine. His is like mostly DIY and cooking. And mine is like a cesspool of like current events, political debate and like, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Like linguistic history. I'm a big fan. Uh, and, uh, and, but sometimes he'll send me TikToks and cause he knows I'll enjoy them. And it's true. Like I almost always love what he sends to me and, and vice versa. And it's because we tend to laugh at the same things. We also tend to critique the same things. Like we have a lot of the same stances on things that are going around in our world. We also have the same level of empathy, um, about certain things. And I think these can create like a foundation for intellectual compatibility. And if you don't believe me, there are a lot of people <laughs> that went to really good schools for really big, fancy degrees that who are I consider really, really, really dumb or yep. manipulative. And I'm yep. looking at you, Ted Cruz anyway. <laughs> <laughs> No, that is an incredible point. And I mean, I think this was 
the first time I really realized that like what college someone went to didn't matter or their level of degree like didn't represent their like how smart they were was actually when I started working at Hinge because there were multiple people there who I found out probably a year into working with them that they actually didn't go to college. Right. And they were some of the smartest people that I had ever met. And I was like, wait a second. Holy shit. And yeah, not everyone can afford to go to to pay for a private institution that might be like an Ivy League or something like that. And they might go to a, you know, public school in their state and pay in state tuition. Right. And th- we shouldn't be like judging people based on that. I think, you know, what happens when you're together and the things you're able to engage with each other on, I think is so much more important. I also think I'm starting to see like lately the intersectionality between um, what people perceive as intellectual compatibility and what is classism. And I've only started noticing that with, um, and and I'm sure you've had these people as guests on your podcast, um, but like the rise of influencers who give dating advice. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of those influencers, um, they come from, you know, uh, extreme privilege. And I don't mean just, you know, wealth from their parents, but also they have thin privilege and pretty privilege. And that makes dating extremely different from the typical person who might not have been raised in wealth, uh, who might not have been. And in fact, I remember, um, one influencer, she had said, you know, that for her, a massive deal breaker is a man who still has a roommate over the age of 27. And I was like, wait a second. Not like, everyone can afford to live alone, especially right. in a place like New York. Right. But to me, that's that's now class structure, right? Because I think like, for instance, when I was dating, and I only realized this like in the last year with these discussions uh, that were coming up uh, with influencers, was that like, okay, so um, I happened to get a scholarship for my undergraduate degree. For, for my master's degree, I had to get a lot of student loans. And we're talking about like six-figure debt. Um for a degree that I don't think I use. <laughs> so um, I remember when I was dating, the guys that would say would be really turned off by that were people whose mindset was like, not necessarily like, why did you get the student loans? But like, oh, you come from a family that couldn't pay, like, couldn't just take that on. And I'd rather date someone who comes from a family where they would have paid your master's education as well, even if it costs $160,000. And I, you know, that's, that's a class structure. That's, that's, that's classism in America. It's, you know, it's a little bit more nuanced, but that's how it comes out. So, um, I, you know, there are a lot of people who are very insecure about, and I say this a lot. There are a lot of people who are insecure about their student loan debt. And I'm telling you, you shouldn't be, it's just a way to figure out, you know, if your core values are aligned, you wanted an education and you took the loans necessary to get that education. Some people, it's not that they don't want your debt. They don't want your family Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't take that personally. That's, that's a them problem. That is not a you problem. Do you watch love is blind? I don't watch dating reality TV. Is it that I've heard a lot though, but what's happening? So I just think it's really interesting because these are people who have literally never met within a week or two, they are engaged and suddenly they're learning all of these things about each other. And I find it really interesting specifically about student debt, because that is a conversation that they all, I guess, I guess the producers maybe tell them like, okay, this week you're having a conversation about finances, like make sure you have that conversation. And because they all end up talking about it, but it's so interesting to see how each partner reacts to someone sharing that news that they have student debt. Mm -hmm. And 
that, you know, they can like they're set up to afford to pay it off on their own in however long or, Mm -hmm. you know, some some of the, are some of them are saying like okay don't worry like that's something we're going to take on together like I support you in that or right. um, one person this season is about to go get a master's degree and the woman that he's engaged to does not want to help with that financially and expects that because he's going off to another city to go to school he's still going to pay for her apartment in the original city while he's still paying like his student loans that he currently has and now paying for this master's education. So there are so it many doesn't seem like things. a team, you know, right. so much of what exactly. marriage is, is a business partnership. And yeah, you know, your debt is my debt and your assets are my assets. And, um, oh, you know, I, I, I'm, I've shared, you know, I remember even when I met my husband, I met my husband like six months after I graduated. So six months into paying off my loans. And when that conversation came up, which I think it came up in like the first three weeks of dating, like, oh yeah, I have student loans. And I was nervous about it because there were guys who just didn't, you know, that was maybe one of the, I don't think it was a core reason, but it was one of the reasons, right? Because it, it does, it is a class identifier for people. Um, I think in New York where class structures are a lot more obvious than in other parts of this country. Um, and I told them like, look, I have these student loans. Here's what I do every month to pay them off. Here's what I'm expected. Here's the, the payment plan I'm on. I share this with my husband every year as well. So it's like, you know, he doesn't, it's, it's already part of our expenses. Like he doesn't. And also he came, you know, on his end, you know, he got a PhD and he got paid for that PhD because, you know, we have a shortage of engineers in this country. So um, he didn't come with any debt. So it's like on his end, he's like, well, we could have been a couple where both of us are in debt or we just have one. And, you know, but he doesn't, you know, it's just I I pay my personally, I've always paid off my student loans out of my paycheck before it gets deposited into our joint checking. So it's money he's never even seen, right? It's never mm-hmm. been like thought of like, oh my God, we're, we're, you know, it just doesn't even hit. Like, why'd account. you take this out of the account? Like, right. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, it's just, it's just not in the radar. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important to really like express what situation you're in and, and how someone responds to it really tells you so much about them and about if they're the person you want to be with. Right. Yeah. And it also tells okay. me a lot about like, you know, to go back to like how this even came up was like, I have noticed the rise of influencers who give dating advice and, uh, you know, how much of that dating advice is based on their own experiences versus like what the science says and what, yeah. you know, other, um, proper dating experts, uh, that exist say, because, you know, there are like, I'm personally certified and I have mentors and I, and I'm involved in a lot of studies. Like I do different things to come up with the stuff that I say, you know, it's not just, here's my own experience. I will yeah. use sometimes my own experience as an anecdote, but there's other things to consider here. I could go on about this for so long. <laughs> I have a lot to say, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I do see, you know, also a lot of influencers saying like the first, until you're in a relationship, like if you're a woman, you should never once pay for any date. Don't even offer like they should be treating you for every single one. It's like not everyone can do that. That's really and tough. I, and in my experience, I personally would feel uncomfortable with that. And right. like I owed them something. And I just think it's it's really never black and white like that. And 
yeah or if you i do always that, say thank you and uh, i think a thank you text after the date is a really nice gesture too even if you don't see each other yes. again it's still a you're allowed to send thank eyes. you texts without yeah a you're absolutely allowed to say send thank you texts i think they're such a win in any way you look at it but also you know it's okay look what men don't like is the fake purse grab mm-hmm. because that's annoying yeah. right it's like you're not really offering you're just doing the fake purse grab so instead you know if you want him to pay on the first date when the check comes on the first date you don't go for the fake purse grab when he goes the check you just immediately say thank you so much for dinner let me you know that's it period now if he's hesitating you could say let me know if you like to split it or you know do decide what ownership you want on this but i highly recommend on like a second or third date like oh i want to treat you to this one like oh you know what let's stop for ice cream after this i want to treat you do the treat word people like being yes. treated people will be like oh that's such a nice gesture she's so sweet she clearly wants this to be wants this to work yeah it also shows that little aspect of like partnership we're a team right Right. it goes a long way yeah Yeah. maria thank you so much i don't want our hour to be over but it is i will have to have you back because there's so much more for us to talk about but thank you so much for coming on where can everybody find you and if there's anything you want to shout out let the listeners know now's the time Absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having me. I would love to come on again. It was really great talking to you. Um, Now in terms of where to find me, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at matchmaker Maria and the link in my bio has links to all of my stuff. So if you want to join my database, there's a link there. If you want to join me on an upcoming Agape Intensive, there's a link there. And if you want to join me in Greece next summer, because I'm hosting a retreat there again, uh, you can click the link there too. So there's all those links in the link in my bio on Instagram. Uh, You can also visit uh, my website, agapematch.com. Um, and, uh, and I'll be there. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you again so much to everyone who listened. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to follow matchmaker Maria. I can't speak. Follow matchmaker Maria, share this. I actually can't speak. Maybe this is the right time for this episode to be ending. Um, share this episode on your story. If you loved it, send it to the group chat, send it to a friend who would love to hear it and tune in next time. All right. Thanks guys.